great to be with you tonight. Um, my name is Father Mike Eisenberg and vocation director for this diocese in Arlington. And I'd say we're in one of my favorite places. And no offense to St. Charles, it's not um, the church itself. Um, but we're in adoration um, and with our Lord. And what a beautiful blessing it is. Um, throughout my life, spending time in adoration has been one of the easiest and most fruitful things that I've done. Um, it all started back probably when I was much younger. And actually, I know it did when I was in middle school. And my dad entered the Catholic faith. And we used to spend a lot of time on Saturdays um, going to confession, going to daily mass, going to adoration, and just spending time in quiet. I didn't know what I was doing, um, but I loved that, that quiet time. Partly it was with my dad and partly just spending time with God in silence. And that continued. When um, I was in high school, we moved over to Our Lady of Angels, and they just opened an adoration chapel in the cry room. Now it's in a chapel, beautiful chapel out on the other part of the, of the campus, but it was then, it was in the uh, cry room, and it was that first day, it wasn't even open yet, and somehow my mom had me arrange that I was the one vacuuming out the cry room and getting ready for it. Um, and we spent so many hours in there at night. Um, and I was in high school, I don't recommend this, but I used to bring like my homework in there and I'd sit there reading my science book or calculus. Um, but I always found tremendous peace. I said, you know, this is where I need to be. Um, and then went off to college and said, God, this is not where I need to be. <laughs> and I said, you got Sunday morning and that's it. I'm kind of drifted away um, from him and kind of knowing it, kind of wanting to do my own thing. Um, and it wasn't again until I was working. Several years later, I was actually down in Tampa, Florida, and it was there that I kind of had everything I needed in life. I had a great job. I had plenty of money, had my sports car, had a great girlfriend, owned a condo. Everything was sort of in place, but I wanted more. Maybe you've had that desire where I just need more and more and more, like nothing was enough. And so I kept looking. Um, and then it was a Wednesday night and a church down the street, Christ the King, had confessions on Wednesday. So I said, you know, I better get to confession. It's been a while. So I went to confession and finished confession, went into the, the chapel to pray, and they're having adoration. And so I went in the pew, did my penance, and I was looking to escape pretty quick because I knew that when I go to adoration, God speaks to me, and I didn't want to have him speak to me. I was like, no, I'm out of here. Leave me alone. Um, and an old little old lady came in and sat right next to me in the pew, and I was like boxed in. I said, all right, <laughs> I'm stuck. Um, but it's kind of one of those, I'm going to put my fingers in my ears, I'm not listening, leave me alone. Um, I remember leaving at peace. He didn't speak anything to me. Nothing happened in that time. I did have my fingers in my ears, but I had a peace. And I said, wow, I've been missing that. And it kind of lasted all week. And it was just kind of this peace that not like a, an emotion, but just like a calmness within me. Suddenly, I didn't want things as much. I didn't have all these crazy desires. There was just like this stillness. And... I said, I kind of want that again. So I went back the next week and the next week. And I began to have a peace that I hadn't had in years that I kind of forgot about from high school. Still didn't know what I was doing with prayer, um, but I went. And it wasn't easy in Florida. They didn't have 24-hour adoration chapels like St. Agnes has right down the street. Um, but I found places, and I found that time. And I remember at one point, um, kind of like St. Peter with the transfiguration, I was kind of like, all right, Lord, let's just build three tents. I can stay here. Everything is good. Um, you're not asking much of me, and I'm just, I'm kind of living in this peace. This is great. And um, I think he laughed. Because <laughs> um, then he started poking, 
and he started working at my life. Um, he sent people into my life um, to challenge me, to help me to grow. And I think adoration became a place that I both loved and feared at that point because I knew of God's power, but I loved the peace that he gave. I loved what he was doing in my life at the same time. Um, and I, I realized in my life that in adoration is where God does the best work within my soul. Um, when I'm in silence, I'm with him. But I also know that when I'm here, he's also not stationary, that he's always at, at work. He's always moving, always doing something, um, because our faith is never stagnant. It is always growing, and he always wants our faith to grow, so he's always going to do that. And so one of the things that what I really want to talk about tonight is peace. I kind of said it over and over again in this beginning, um, but I think it's something that's helpful, because it's something that's sort of misunderstood in our world. I grew up in the 80s. I, am, I blame my parents. I'm one year into the millennial generation. I was born in 81, sadly. And um, back in the 80s, it was kind of harmless to watch the Miss America pageants. Um, I wouldn't recommend it now. Um, but it was always kind of funny uh, because there was always one question um, that the answer was always world peace. And it was something like, what do you want to see in your lifetime? And they'd be like, world peace. Um, and it was kind of like the, uh, the blonde answer, you know, of like the, here's, here's the answer. Um, and it's kind of interesting because you look throughout the world and for years we've tried to create peace. Um, foreign nations sort of failed in many ways. Um, there's many countries that different values, different governments. Um, it hasn't always worked. And you can look throughout all of history. Go back to Adam and Eve, Cain killing Abel, right? Peace didn't exist at the beginning. It did at the very beginning, but immediately um, there was discord. There was like a a pain that existed in the world, um, people fighting against each other. But we still have this notion in our mind um, that we can create peace. If I work hard enough, I can make peace around me. If I put enough sanctions on a country, I can create peace. Well, maybe you can stop fighting, but you're not going to create peace. I mean, peace is something that, I don't know, we desire, we, we want, but it's hard to understand. Even this last year, um, Right at Christmas time, a couple days before Christmas, I figured I haven't got my shopping done yet, as always. And um, it was last minute, two days before Christmas, and I said, I'm going to go out to the mall. That's mistake number one. Um, and I go there, and there's police everywhere. There's cars everywhere. I have to park out in the middle of nowhere. And I was really just looking for a couple small gifts, some chocolates, and a couple cards. Um, but I went anyway, and it was just insane. And I remember going through the store... Um, found the card section. There's people everywhere. And I was just kind of laughing at the ridiculousness of everything going on. And there was one card that said peace in big letters on it, big glittery letters. Um, and I kind of chuckled and thought, really, peace? <laughs> like, where it's almost Christmas time and it's complete chaos all around. Um, and it was kind of a strange kind of contrast in my mind. All this chaos, all these crazy things happening. And what people are looking for is peace. And they don't know how to find it. They don't know where it's at. There's traffic, the deadlines at work, family life, elderly parents, coworkers, violence, um, abuse, homelessness. The list can go on and on forever. All of the kind of chaos that's around us. And it doesn't seem to go away. And yet, at the same time, we want it to go away. We want to find peace. And I think when you finally get to it, the conclusion is that it, peace can't come from me. It can't come from my efforts, because no matter how hard I try, there is not peace around me. It has to come from God. 
It's the only place because nothing else seems to work. And that's at Christmas what the church points us to. That in the midst of all of the kind of chaos of the world, it points us to the nativity, to what's right here, and says, here is your Prince of Peace, right here. And this nativity scene is very clean. The animals are all pretty well behaved. They're actually not moving, um, which is very good. But if you've ever been to a real barn, it doesn't look anything like that. It smells. Animals are probably not getting along perfectly. It's cold, colder than the church is tonight. And things are not happy. And that's where Jesus is born. He's born into chaos. And yet he is the Prince of Peace. It's sort of like our mind doesn't always know how to, what to do with that. What does that mean? That there's this Prince of Peace in the midst of chaos. And how is it that Jesus comes to bring peace? I think that's something that we have to ponder in our own life. What does this look like? And a, a great example is actually our gospel for today. So I'm going to read our gospel for today. You don't need to stand. Because um, I think it helps us to understand this peace. It's a reading from the gospel according to Mark. After the 5,000 had eaten and were satisfied, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and preceded him to the other side toward Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowds. And when he had taken leave of them, he went off to the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was far out on the sea and he was alone on shore. Then he saw that they were tossed about while rowing, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. They had all seen him and were terrified. But at once he spoke to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. He got into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely astounded. They had not understood the incident of the loaves. On the contrary, their hearts were hardened. I think it's a, a beautiful image of our world, the sea being tossed about, this tiny little boat, and we are roaming our hardest trying to fix it. We're trying to fight against the stream. We're trying to get all these things done, uh, make everything around us just right, and we can't. No matter how hard they fight, that storm is overwhelming them. And it's very much like our life. But I think there's a great line in this gospel as well. And maybe you kind of heard it and you're like, what, what is that? Where St. Mark says, he meant to pass by them. It's kind of a weird line. That Jesus is sort of watching his apostles struggle in this boat. And he meant to pass by them. Meaning, I guess it could mean a couple different things. You go in the Old Testament and the Lord passed in front of Moses, right? And he passes by people as a sign of his grace, of him giving his, bestowing his grace upon them. Right? So that's the first thing. It's like a theophany that, that the Lord passed by them because he wanted to bestow his grace upon them. Is one way of looking at it. I think another way, maybe a more spiritual interpretation, is that he was planning on walking by. He wasn't going to force himself into their boat. He wasn't going to force his way into their life. Because these men could have been so busy paddling, getting water out of their boat, trying to survive, that they might not have ever looked up to see him. They might have been so absorbed into what they were doing that they didn't look. But they did. And when they looked up, they eventually, after getting over their fear, reached out to him. And what was the result? Peace. Everything calmed down around them. Another example of that is Peter, um, who's walking on water, looking at our Lord, takes his eyes off him, and falls. 
And he yells out, save me, Lord. Right? And he reaches out and pulls him out of that water. I think we have to realize in our life, it's only Jesus who can bring peace. It's only him. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, he's the one that has to do it. And you have maybe some hope at the end of this gospel. These apostles leave with hardened hearts. They don't get it. They don't understand what Jesus is doing. It takes them time to figure it out themselves. And I think for us, it's a beautiful reminder as well that we're not going to figure out Jesus right away. We're not going to understand his peace, but we have to be present to him, to know him, to spend time with him. Otherwise, it can't happen. So how do we do this? How do we live in this world of chaos and at the same time live in this world of Christ's peace? What does that look like? And I think most people approach it like this. Um, If I stop my swearing, if I stop my lying, if I stop my jealousy, if I stop my lust, whatever it is, then I'll be at peace. Then I can get to know God. Or if I eradicate all sin from my life, then I'll get to know God. If I fix all the relationships that are broken, all the things around me, then I can find God. I can find peace. And we spend years trying to fix all these things in our life, thinking all these things will help me to know God. And peace never happens because we never fix them all because we're trying to do it alone. And this is what happens when you take an engineer and make him a priest and give him a talk at P3, you get math. Um, And the logical syllogism is backwards, right? We think if I do all these things, then peace and my love of God will happen. It's the opposite, right? It's by first knowing God, by building our relationship, that suddenly he brings us peace. And then we're able to work on the sin. We're able to work on the brokenness. All the peace, all the things that are happening around us that we couldn't figure out suddenly have an answer, and it's him. It's him alive within us that's making it all work. It's him who brings the peace first. I think that's what we have to remember. It's, it's not our work. It's nothing that we do except being present by saying, yes, Lord, I'll be with you. And from that, the greatest gift he can give, peace, comes. And that peace then enters everywhere into our life. So maybe a few kind of practical points of how we do it. How do we encounter this peace of God? I'd say first, um, it comes to our prayer life. Um, We have to have routine to our our day. Um, If we have no routine and our day is just sort of living in chaos, it's going to be hard to encounter God because we're kind of sporadic. We're all left and right. We you know, today spend five minutes in prayer and tomorrow an hour and the next day, 10 minutes. And in all of that, we never find God because we're all over the place. And so first off, having a routine where the first thing you do when you get up in the day is you say your morning offering. You get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm here for you. Help me to love you today. Help me to encounter your peace today. Simple as that. And then in the middle of our day, it's lunchtime. Hopefully you don't smoke, but take your smoke break of sorts, and go take a walk outside for five minutes and say, Lord, how's my day going? How have I encountered you today? You know, if you're all of a mess, just saying, Lord, I need your peace. I can't handle this. I can't handle my job. I can't handle my boss, whatever it is. At the end of the day, maybe not the very end of the day, but in the evening time, just encountering God again, right? That's the most important thing we can do is encountering him. If we don't encounter God, we cannot become holy. Because if you don't touch holiness, you can't become holy. It's another math equation. It's pretty straightforward. Holiness comes from touching God, right? It's the only place it comes. 
or touching what else is holy, sometimes holy people as well, through saintly people. But I'd say as well, we can't, in that routine, what helps us, it fights within us is this desire to only turn to God when we're broken, right? And we have that tendency. I only go to God, I pray when, I'm, when things are falling apart. But having a routine of prayer in our life says, no, I turn to God all the time. Good, bad, and different, I'm there, right? It doesn't treat God like a vending machine, right? I just put in a quarter when I need something. I'm always there, right? And so I think having that routine is, number one, is the most important part of receiving God's gift of peace. Um, the second one would be understanding our emotions. We're all emotional beings. Our, our day is like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, all over the place. Um, some of us more than others. Um, back to my engineering, I, I always think of like radio waves, sine wave, you know, oscillating sine waves. Um, and that's kind of our emotions, up and down, all over. Um, but peace is not an emotion. Something to keep in mind. Peace is a gift from God. It doesn't follow that emotional roller coaster. Um, and whenever you look at those, you know, radio waves, whatever, sine waves, um, there's always an x-axis that runs right through the middle of them, just a straight line. I like to think that's peace. That no matter what high I'm on, what low I'm on, peace is that thing that is just right there in the middle of it. It's the thing that cuts through it all because it's the very presence of God. That it could be the worst day of my life and there's a peace there because I know God is with me. That I know he's standing right next to me. If you think of that gospel today on the boat, that he's literally standing on the water in front of me in the midst of the storm. And maybe he's not going to calm the storm, but he's going to get in that boat with me, right? And that's where peace comes from, right? And so it helps us to deal with our emotions, helps us to deal with the struggles that are there. And the third thing we have to do is we have to um, take off our blinders, right? Many times we go into our prayer um, kind of with what we want to do. We have like our list of objectives that I'm going to do in prayer, and here's what I want, God, and here's how I'm going to do things. And... Um, what happens is our, kind of like the apostles in the gospel, our hearts are hardened. They're made up. We know exactly what I want. And it gives God about one degree of room to work because we've taken up all other 99 degrees with what I want, right? That we, we lock out, I guess, 364 degrees or whatever it is, 359, um, that we lock them out and we only give them that little tiny bit to work. Um, and I think sometimes like a horse, you have those blinders on, this is what I want, and we miss what God's asking of us. And so it's kind of taking those off um, so that Jesus can truly lead us. Right? And going into prayer with an openness saying, Lord, I don't know what you want from me. I, I have no idea. I don't know what it is you want of me today. I don't know who I'm going to encounter, but you need to do it. You need to help me to see it. Um, and I think sometimes if we go in there with that openness, God can do tremendous things in that time. Um, kind of reminds me of this annoying video um, that the youth director at my last parish showed the kids. You, maybe you've seen it where it's like the people b- bouncing basketballs and you have to count how many times they, count, they bounce, bounce the basketball in the video. And the whole time there's this like, gorilla who's like moonwalking right past all these people. And when you're counting the basketballs, you do not notice it. You don't see the gorilla. And afterwards, you know, they ask people what they saw and, they, and how many times they counted it. And no one sees the gorilla. He's right there, right? I think that's sometimes how we do prayer. We're so focused on what we want and God's saying, I'm over here, like, Look at me, and we just don't see it, right? So I encourage you in your prayer in that sense to take off any blinders and quit, like, telling God what you're going to do, right? Instead, it's having an openness and say, Lord, I know I'll be at peace if I follow what you ask of me, who you put in front of my life. Um, I guess another way of looking at it is if you have a dog, 
there's two different types of dogs. There's dogs that like to walk you and dogs that like to be walked, right? And I think many times we are that dog that likes to walk Jesus and we kind of lead him around and say, all right, look what I'm going to do next and look where I'm going now. And we kind of tell him about our day when what he wants is to walk with us and to share that day with us. And for us to say, look at the things we have done. Look where we have gone today, right? And when we do that again, peace comes. Because it's not me. It's not me trying to make up, up my direction. It's God at work. And there's many others that you can think of and look at um, to find peace. But I think those are the ones that have really stood out to me. And as a vocation director, I work with a lot of people who are discerning. And all these same things are the very same things that you have to do when you're discerning. It doesn't matter what you're discerning. If you're discerning, you know, in terms of a huge vocation, or if you're just discerning, what is it that God wants of me this year? Maybe you're already married. Maybe you already got that figured out. But you don't know what you're doing this year with your spiritual life. You don't know what you and your husband or wife are supposed to be doing. That's where we have to grow in this peace and grow in this relationship. And what I'd say is, is over time, peace becomes that how we know that we're in the right place because we know what peace feels like when we experience it. And when we continue to follow God and peace continues to follow us and we continue to walk in a direction and we go, this peace is still here. God is, my prayer life's amazing. God is leading me in these incredible ways. Keep following, right? That's the path that he wants us on. And peace, peace many times is that indicator within our soul to say, okay, I'm going and I'm not going to stop going until the peace stops. And then we got to go, okay, what are you saying now? Where are you leading me now? And I think many times we'd like to know that answer. We'd like to know what God's doing. I don't think I'd be here today if I knew that answer back when I was like 15 years old and praying in that adoration chapel. I would have said, no way. I would have continued on being an engineer because I said, I couldn't do it. I can't handle that. Yet here I am because in time, God gave me the answer. He led me in time. He let me follow that peace that he was bringing. And then he said, here's what's next. And here's what's next. And suddenly I'm here. Um, and so I'd say in your own life, we don't know what's next necessarily. But we do know what happened in the past. And so it's helpful months later, years later. And this is where people, friends, priests come into our life of saying, where has God led me? Where have we gone this last year? And sometimes looking back and seeing where that peace was and what God has been doing helps us to know the path forward even more. Helps us to then look back and say, ah, I get it. I see what you're asking of me. I see where you're pushing me in this life. Um, so don't look for the end of the journey. Instead, look back as you continue to journey in peace to see what God has been doing, right? And that helps us to then know what's next. Um, so I encourage you in finding peace. I encourage you by spending time with our Lord, I'd say especially in adoration. Um, this is a very powerful place um, that God works tremendously in our hearts in silence and in his presence in the Blessed Sacrament, that he's here. Um, St. Agnes, just down the road, great place to pray, 24 hours, adoration all the time. Um, what a great blessing we have in this diocese. Use it. Um, spend that time. Work on that routine. Work on um, that peace, not as an emotion, but as a gift. Um, taking off the blinders and following. Right? And as we do that, God works. He always does. I close as well with um, actually a prayer from today, from Mass. It's the prayer over the gifts. I think it's a beautiful prayer that summarizes um, much of what God wants to do with peace, 
um, with us being united to him. Let us pray. O God, who gave us the gift of true prayer and of peace, graciously grant that through this offering we may do fitting homage to your divine majesty, and by partaking of the sacred mystery, we may be faithfully united in mind and heart. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.